The Chicago Bears offense was limited in the win over the Minnesota Vikings. So I want to take a closer look at the Bears screen game and short passing attack, as well as the lack of rushing success from the running backs in the Bears backfield. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL to get a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we comb back through after going through the all 22 film of the Bears against the Minnesota Vikings, particularly. This offense, Luke Getze getting a lot of criticism for the game plan here and, and the offense's lack of success, much of which I think is deserved and some of which I think is just a result of playing the Minnesota Vikings. We'll kind of get a close look at the short passing game, the screen game, and how that, you know, what, what part of that was forced by the defense and what part of that was maybe chosen by the offense. Same thing with the running game, the general lack of rushing success from Herbert and Roshan Johnson, which was something We'd come accustomed to pretty much every game against pretty much every defense. We'll look at that. And then, of course, we have to wrap up raving once again about this Chicago Bears defense. We can't just focus on, you know, the lack of success from the offense in a win, but also some of the greatness that we saw on defense, especially going back through and rewatching that game. But I was really interested in sort of looking at what Justin Fields did in this game. And it wasn't a lot of like really pushing the envelope. And there were a couple of times when it looked to me like, you know, he's still occasionally passing up open receivers downfield because he's just a little bit slow to see it and pull the trigger and anticipate throws. That's still part of the process for him and the development process. But, like, there, there weren't, at the same time, though, there, there weren't plays, there weren't really a lot of plays where you see him make a poor decision with the ball or put the ball in harm's way. If you go back through the passing game from the Vikings game, Justin Fields finished... 26 of 36 passing, you know, 10 incompletions for, you know, 217 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But if you go through those 10 incomplete passes, five of them were throwaways where Fields is just chucking it to the sideline or chucking at the dirt, right? He's not intending for any receiver to catch those passes. He's just getting rid of it out of safety to avoid putting the ball in harm's way, which is something we've wanted to see more of from field. It's not that you want to celebrate throwaways. They are incomplete passes, but they're the safest incomplete pass you could possibly have. So five of those 10 incompletions were thrown away. Two of those 10 incompletions were batted passes, you know, batted down at the line of scrimmage by a defensive lineman. So the ball never even got to a receiver to tell whether the pass would be accurate or not. And so th those combined for seven of his 10 incomplete passes. That leaves three incomplete passes from Justin Fields where he was throwing to a receiver somewhere in the field of play and was unable to connect with them due to 
timing, placement, or accuracy. He wasn't charted with any dropped passes in that game, although there might have been one where it was a pass breakup. But regardless, like, Justin Fields was more or less accurate on 26 of 29 pass attempts in this game that were actually aimed pass attempts. That's really efficient. That's high completion percentage. That's high efficiency. That's getting the ball into players' hands and letting players make plays and not having Justin Fields have to do absolutely everything by himself. Now, part of the problem was where those passes were going, and and part of why you're able to get such a high efficiency rate is because the Bears called so many screens. And so many of those passes, even the ones that weren't screens, were generally shorter passes, checkdowns, hot routes, underneath throws, to, again, just get the ball in the hands of a playmaker. But there ends up being a limit to how explosive your offense can be then, when you end up throwing short as a result of it. Like on plays like that the Minnesota Vikings blitz Justin Fields, a lot of times that can feel like you don't have much other choice. You know, if there are six or seven pass rushers coming at you and maybe one guy is coming at you unblocked, you have to get rid of the ball quickly. The defense is more or less forcing you there. Like, yes, sometimes you can pick it up, but not always. So there's going to be plays when you just have to throw it short. I think the concern for me a little bit coming out of this game plan-wise was that on plays when Justin Fields wasn't blitzed, which was only 18 of his dropbacks, which only made up for 14 of his pass attempts, his average depth of target was only was less than six yards downfield, about 5.8 yards downfield. So even when the blitz wasn't coming, the Bears weren't able to get as many downfield passing attempts loaded up. He only attempted two, play, two passes at 20 or more yards downfield. One completion was the 36-yarder at the end of the game to set up the game-winning field goal. Great throw. But otherwise... You know, one for two on those deep passes didn't hit the intermediate area of the field a lot either. Even in the plays when he's not being blitzed, right, he still ends up having to come back to the check down or quicker release underneath stuff that isn't setting up for very much explosive offense down the field. Like, And to me, that part of it doesn't feel exclusively a reaction to the Minnesota Vikings defense, right? When you take away, when you look at just the non-blitz plays, that's something we've seen from Luke Getze and this Bears offense in general over the course of the season. When you look across the league, the Bears' average throw is, I think it's two and a half yards short of the sticks. Wherever the first down marker is, on average, the Bears are throwing two and a half yards short of the sticks. That's tied for last place in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers offense. Every other team besides the Panthers is throwing it closer to or beyond the first down marker than the Chicago Bears offense. And perhaps five games of Tyson Bagent brings that number down a little bit. That number's not exclusively fields, it's the Bears offense as a whole. But it can't help but feel like game plan wise, you know, it's not even like completed passes, right? That's just where they're targeting the ball. They're not they still aren't giving Justin Fields enough opportunities to throw downfield. And Justin Fields himself is also not pulling the trigger enough when he does get opportunities to throw downfield. Like, I don't think it's purely Luke Getze's fault, but at the same time, I think the offensive coordinator could do more to open up more explosive plays for this offense, put Justin Fields in better positions to have downfield passing plays that maybe don't require the perfect anticipation that Fields might not have at this point. That's not the only way to throw downfield. He's, it, it, it's pushing him to try and grow in that area, and that's an important part of the development, but at the same time, you can do more to really set up your quarterback for success, and that's where I think some of the criticism of Luke Getze is warranted. Like Some of the screen passes were necessary. Maybe not 12 of them in this game, which 
You know, it felt like a little bit a lot. Six to DJ Moore, two to Roshan Johnson, two to Cole Komet, one to Darnell Mooney, one batted pass. Maybe a little much, but some of those are RPOs where Fields has the option to run or pass, and some of those are necessary, and some of those picked up first downs. So, you know, not all screen passes are bad, and sometimes they're effective in a game like this. But it's about sprinkling it in wind wear, and we can all be the amateur play caller at home who can say, oh, you should have done this or should have done this. Easier said than done. So that's where I think I come away from the passing game. But I was also concerned by the lack of running game, both in a, a general lack of success when Herbert and Roshan Johnson got the ball, but also a seeming lack of commitment to the running game in this game when you know you were never trailing on the scoreboard until the fourth quarter, and even then it was over only by one point. So we'll go through what we saw from this Bears running game. And again, what's on the offensive coordinator and what's on sort of the rest of the team and the game situation Next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is the best way to take advantage of all of your favorite foods around your area, whether it's groceries, which DoorDash can deliver right to your door or restaurants in your area. DoorDash is a delivery service that's going to bring all of your favorite foods right to the comfort of your own home, especially as the weather gets colder, a little less inclined to want to bundle up Drive out to the restaurant and either pick it up, take it to go, or, or eat there, and then you know, walk from your car to the parking lot. It's all cold. Let DoorDash bring it to your warm living room where you can eat and support your own local restaurants in your area. Certainly in Chicago, if you're craving that classic deep dish pizza, Lou Malnati's is on there. And if you order with DoorDash, you're going to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. You just download the DoorDash app and enter in our promo code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Just download DoorDash, enter in our code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Locked on Bears is also brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because with Prize Picks, you are making your picks against the Prize Picks projections. They set a stat line for a player. You decide whether they will do more or less than their Prize Picks projection. So, for example, Against the Vikings on Monday, I did a prize picks entry with DJ Moore. His prize picks projection was four and a half receptions. I had him with more than four and a half receptions. I also had Daniil Hunter with more than 0.75 sacks. But I thought Josh Dobbs would rush for more than 37 and a half yards, and I got that one wrong. But it was fun to follow along with this Bears game and to play with prize picks because if you get your picks right, you can get up to 25 times your money on any entry. Got to check it out for yourself. Try and have some fun. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's an extra hundred bucks to play with at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. The Chicago Bears running game is supposed to make offense easier for Justin Fields. And yet against the Minnesota Vikings, the Bears struggled to consistently move the ball on the ground. Khalil Herbert, who got the start, finished with only six carries, which was interesting as the game went on, for 24 yards, four yards a carry, but not a lot of volume there. And Roshan Johnson became kind of the lead back in this game, got 11 carries for 35 yards, which is only 3.2 yards per carry. He also fumbled in the game. Fields ended up being your leading rusher with eight rushes for 59 yards and two fumbles. Four of those eight rushes were scrambles, passing plays that were designed to be a pass. Fields takes off beyond the line of scrimmage. And then 
four of them then were plays that were designed quarterback runs, either on mostly on read options or, or some of those direct snaps to the QB. Overall, it was 118 rushing yards, which I guess, you know, you clear the 100-yard mark, that sort of gets the job done. And again, they won the game, so, like, it was enough. But I was left scratching my head a little bit because, like, the Vikings are, like, a near-league average run defense. Like, sure, they've got to respect them, but not a run defense that you thought was going to come in and shut down this Bears running game, especially because, like, defensively, Vikings went pretty light on their personnel. You know, they do a lot of, like, they kind of do this— they use Josh Metellus as like a third safety who kind of plays slot and linebacker and blitz him quite a bit. They blitzed him 12 times in this game. He's kind of their jack-of-all-trades star type player on the back end. But like rarely did they ever have two or more than two true interior defensive linemen on the field. You know, it was a lot of just Bullard and, and then uh, Harrison Phillips for most of the game. Occasionally they rotate a couple guys in. But for the most part, it was like two big uglies and then a couple of edge rushers and then a couple of linebackers. But there's a lot of six- and seven-man boxes, you know, and mostly six-man boxes unless they'd bring a safety down for the Bears' running backs in the backfield. You know, in terms of eight-man boxes, uh, Roshan Johnson faced eight-man box on only two of his ten runs, if I remember correctly, looking back through this game. Whereas, like, you know, two weeks ago against Detroit, uh, Khalil Herbert faced a loaded box of eight or more on 60% of his runs, 62.5% of his runs against the Lions. Like, that would explain a little bit more if— the defense is loading up the box with eight guys, and you know you can only do so much running the ball against that. But the Vikings lightened it up a little bit, and so that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Especially, you know, Khalil Herbert finishes the game with zero missed tackles on six carries—the first time he had zero missed tackles in the game since Week One. And, and you know, I thought the offensive line was generally playing well, and you know, there's always mistakes in there. And I thought they were moving pretty well, but it, it just seemed to me like some of it was. Uh, I think some of the lightness, you know, the lack of big bulk on the Vikings defense in the front seven, like they were able to get past Bears linemen a little bit quicker. Like maybe some of the speed defensively was able to get some more penetration there. And some of it you could just chalk up to, hey, you know, uh, Khalil Herbert maybe just didn't have, you know, sometimes you have an off day or a game where you're just not quite breaking tackles at the same pace. Like it happens. You can't be a Pro Bowl or a Pro Bowl caliber player. Every single game, you know, some of the, you know, you, you, every player has flaws and weaknesses. And some of it too was just like, they just didn't run the ball as much as you would have liked. You know, it's part of the, part of the ground game, right? Is you wear them down a bit and then you kind of break away the bigger one. And that really ends up bringing up your overall like average yards per carry when, you know, you're getting your chunks of three and four over the course of the game. But then later on in the game, you rip one off for, for 21 yards. But the Bears did not have a run of longer than 10 yards in the game, the long uh, by the running backs, I should say. Uh, Roshan Johnson's longest run was seven. Khalil Herbert's wrong, longest run was eight. Like, they didn't have that sort of, like, ex- that break-it-open type of run to kind of stretch this defense and really build up that average because I think they just didn't necessarily stick with it a ton. You know, first half, five handoffs for this Bears offense. And second half, then, if, you do the, if you're with me doing the math there, would be 11 because it was 16 total handoffs, so five in the first half. 11 in the second half, they got to it a little bit more in the second half. And, uh, you know, it's easy to then sit there and, and blame Luke Getze. But what I want to do quick is, is kind of go through the Bears' drives in this game to look at, okay, were there more situations where they just got pass happy? Or did they get in situations where first and 10 becomes second and 12 and third and eight, where you can't really, you don't really want to run on second and 12 because then you're still going to be in long down distance. And you don't want to run on third and long, you know, where situationally running the ball becomes just a, a little bit more challenging and 
certainly like the offensive coordinator could do more to put you in a better position to run the ball, but sometimes game situation can dictate running the ball a little bit less. So like if you look at like the first, that opening drive, right? Second play of the game, Khalil Herbert had a run for eight yards. Fourth play of the game, Khalil Herbert had a run for one yard. And then later on that drive, they gave it to Herbert again for two yards. So three handoffs to Herbert on that first drive that went, what was it, like eight play? Or no, it was just Fields was like eight for eight on that drive. But it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 play drive that ended in a missed field goal. They got, they mixed three handoffs in there, plus a Justin Fields quarterback scramble on a passing play. So I think, you know, that's scripted plays where could you have run the ball a little bit more in there? You know, they had a third and one where they passed. They had a third and five where they passed. They had a third and two where they passed. Uh, you know, by the end of the drive, you had a sack in there that backed him up a little bit, but you could have mixed some more running in there, but they moved the ball well. So maybe we can't complain too much about how that drive went. But then, you know, you start your second drive. First play, Fields keeps it on a run. So that's a called run by the by the coordinator. We'll take that. But then first and 10 pass, first and 10 sack plus penalty backs you up and then you end up going forward on fourth and 10 and converting it. So you reset the down distance. So you understand why they hadn't passed yet. Then you get the run to Roshan Johnson for the first time in the game. Second and four at the eight, you pass. Third and four at the eight, you pass. You know, could you have run it a little bit more in the red zone? I mean, again, it's easy to sit back and say any of these individual moments. Yeah, if sitting at home, we could say, oh yeah, run the ball, go run the ball more. But, you know, it, it's stuff like that where you start to look at game situations. Next drive, pass with a penalty. And so then you're backed up and you pass, pass, punt. Okay, you get backed up, I guess. Not really a great time to run there. Next drive, you get a Justin Fields run and a Roshan Johnson run. So, okay, a little bit more running game, but that leaves you with a third and nine and falls incomplete, so you got a punt. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting close to the two-minute drill, but at 3.30 to go, you got pass, 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 and then pass for a scramble and a punt. So you get a little pass happy at the end of the first half there, and then you're under two minutes, it goes to halftime. Second half, they started actually running the ball a little bit more, and lo and behold, you drive down and get another field goal when Roshan Johnson runs back-to-back plays for seven and four yards. Then Roshan Johnson runs again. Justin Fields runs again. They ran the ball one, two, three, four, five times on that first field goal drive in the third quarter. Like that felt like a little bit more of what this Bears offense could be. What it'll maybe like to run even on third and two when they go incomplete. But regardless, like you got points because you you mixed up the offense a little bit more and were able to find some rushing success on that drive. But even then from there, you got a you got a a lead here in the third quarter and you get a fields run, a Roshan a couple of Roshan Johnson runs, and then that drive ends up starting to stall out a little bit when you get a run for a tackle for a loss and you end up settling for a field goal there. Okay, you're still kind of running the ball. And they started the next drive running the ball for three, running the ball for three. Third and four, they get a first down. And then I guess your drive gets killed by Justin Fields fumbling. So that's that's also part of why they didn't run the ball as much, right? It's like look, those drives, they had two drives in the fourth quarter with, with a lead and then with a deficit end in fumbles. So they were shorter drives. So you didn't have as many... You know, first down's another opportunity to start running the ball again. And those those drives ended up stopping with a couple of those fumbles there from, from Justin Fields. But, you know, it, it all kind of added up to not having nearly as much of a running game as you would have liked to have and something that I think benefits this offense. But again, like as we kind of went through those plays, like it wasn't like there was a t- like there were moments there where it's like, yeah, you probably could have run more here or run more there. But every drive had a couple of runs in there and. Some of them just weren't being all that successful. And when you run for minus two yards on first down, that kind of hurts your ability to run the rest of that drive. Or when you run for one yard on second and 10, again, you're not in a great position to run if you're not converting and getting 
better down and distance scenarios or if the runs aren't creating more opportunities for more runs or you got penalties that back into larger down and distance situations and then you get turnovers that end some of those drives. So like, again, this is not a sit here and defend Luke Getze episode today. By no means. There was a lot of flaws with Luke Getze's game plan in this game and what the Bears offense has done generally. But I think it's, sometimes we can oversimplify it and say bad OC, bad play calling at all times. That's that's the only answer here. Like it, it can be both things. Like, Oh, offensive coordinator didn't do as good of a job as you would have liked. Play calling can be better, but also like game situation dictated that running game wasn't always there for this offense and that the running backs themselves weren't always making plays. So the offensive line wasn't always clear in spots for them. And it's it's never as simple as just like one thing going wrong or one thing not working for this team or one person truly at fault. That's kind of the bigger picture with this Bears offense right now. It's a little bit of everything, but I think so much of that stops and starts with the offensive coordinator. And that's where fairly a lot of the blame is deserved. Just like a lot of the credit for this Bears win over the Vikings is deserved for the defense. And and as much as we've been kind of nitpicking the offense here, let's celebrate this Bears defense and look at some of the great things they did in this game and kind of go back through some of the really impressive performances we saw next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. I'm on LinkedIn. I bet you're on LinkedIn. And if you're not, a lot of your friends, family members, and coworkers are already on LinkedIn. And so when you have that many candidates, hiring is a lot easier. And LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats that you might not have time or resources to really invest in hiring and going through all of that process. So that's why with LinkedIn, the process can be intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As much as we wanted to sort of diagnose this Bears offense and where they could have done better and, you know, had more success in the win, this Bears defense, man, they were playing well. They were fun to watch, you know, going back through and seeing some of these guys again when you could have a chance to kind of slow it down and see what guys are doing in coverage and certainly on the front end getting the better view in the trenches. Like, first of all, Jalen Johnson played a great game. I mean, he was shutting down everyone that came near him. He was really, really effective at not letting anything happen downfield. And, you know, he, like he was willing to give you your little check down in his zone. But like, other than that, it, there wasn't really much you saw from him. Like he gave, like, I think the you know, fullback ran into the flat when he was over there and he you know, allowed the catch for three yards, but tackled him right away. And then I think KJ Osborne caught a screen on Jalen Johnson's side of the field that counts as like Jalen Johnson giving up a catch for him. But like a couple of pass breakups, couple of interceptions, a drop pick six. Like when your biggest criticism of Jalen Johnson is, man, I wish he held on to that interception. That means you have a really, really good cornerback, right? If you're not, you're not complaining about his tackling, not complaining about his aggressiveness. You're not complaining about his penalties. You're not complaining about his lack of, you know, getting hands on passes or his ability to get him getting burned in coverage. Like he's doing everything well. And if his biggest flaw is that he drops some interceptions sometimes, like you're doing really, really well, and it's you're, you're really lucky to have a cornerback like Jalen Johnson playing so well for your team. It was, it was really fun to watch. Montez Sweat, 
same kind of conversation. Like he got after Josh Dobbs. He was winning a lot of his one-on-one matchups in this game and even doing some damage against some double teams where he's not splitting the double team and, you know, making a huge play, but still pushing the pocket, still getting a push against those guys and definitely just kind of generally making the night not so fun for the Vikings right tackle, Brian O'Neill, who's generally been playing well this season. But Sweat, I think PFF had him with seven total pressures, two sacks and five hurries in this game. That was really fun to watch. And especially because, like, it's kind of what Ryan Poles talked about when they traded for Montez Sweat. Like, what Ryan Poles calls a multiplier. A guy who, when he gets on the field and does what he does, he also raises the play, the level of play, of the players around him because of the attention that he takes and 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 the effort that he, the offense needs to do in terms of stopping him, it creates more one-on-one matchups for other pass rushers on the defensive line. You saw Demarcus Walker get most of his playing time at the other defensive end spot, not kicking inside that much, and getting some really good pressure over there. Again, getting a lot of getting a lot of tight end help going over to that side, right? It was staying over by Brian O'Neill. So it's him one-on-one versus Christian Derrissaw, who's a pretty solid left tackle. Like, sure, he's got his ups and downs, but like, Vikings are pretty satisfied with what they're getting out of the offensive tackle positions this year. And it was the Bears edge rushers that were doing a lot of damage. And, you know, staying home when Josh Dobbs would scramble, keeping pretty good pass rush lanes as well, letting letting the quarterback come to them at times. Like, that's exactly what you wanted to see. And then on the interior, you get somebody like Jervon Dexter. Again, getting... Better one-on-one matchups because, you know, the guards are are sliding over to help against Sweat. So maybe that gives him a better one-on-one with the center or the center has to go to that side and sliding away from where the other defensive tackle is rushing from. So you're going to have one-on-one pass rushes on the backside and you're not going to have the running back come and help on those pass rushes either because they're helping on the edge. Like that's where a guy like Jervon Dexter can come in and make a couple of nice hits on the quarterback. I know he got flagged for one of them, but you like the aggressiveness. You like the disruption that we're seeing from him. He's still not playing enough. He only played 20 snaps out of 55, out of, yeah, out of 55 in this game. Would have liked to see even more Javon Dexter moving forward. But hey, you know, it's 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 really cool to see and it's fun to watch. And you start getting more of that pressure on Josh Dobbs and on quarterbacks with your pass rushers and you start to see those ripple effects because the pressure is really what helped lead to the turnovers that we saw in this game. I believe three of Dobbs's four interceptions came while he was under pressure on plays, and only one of those was on a blitz. The Bears were able to blitz. They did blitz Josh Dobbs a little more. 30% of their pa- 30, 30% of his dropbacks, they blitzed him on. But like what we're seeing now with, with Sweat and with Walker playing a little better and Dexter getting in there, like early in the season, the Bears had to blitz out of necessity because they weren't consistently generating pressure with a four-man rush. Now you're seeing the Bears be able to blitz a little bit more as a luxury, right? As something that they can throw in at different times and from different places when the quarterback might not be expecting it as much because it's not nece- it's not as needed. It's not as much of a necessity. Like in this game against the against Dobbs, the Bears actually got more pressure on plays where they didn't blitz than on plays where they did blitz. I think on non-blitz plays, they pressured him 12 out of 22 plays, which is, you know, just over 50%. On a blitz plays, they pressured him 4 out of 10, which was uh, 40%. So, like, they're getting good pressure kind of across the board there. He was under pressure on 44% of his total plays in the game and got, again, three interceptions on those plays, three of those not on blitzes either. So it feels like 
this defense is making some real progress here, right? And it's really settling in, really playing well. And and it's really like your studs that you thought you would be able to rely on this season that have come to the table and are raising the level of play of players around them, especially Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat right now, really playing at a high level. And it's really fun to watch. I encourage you to go back and, and rewatch that game and see what this defense was doing. I know it was tough to watch like live, but when you can slow it down and go through the defense, man, you know, they're playing well, aggressive, fun, fast, and loose. And yeah, totally here for it. Cut down on the penalties. Maybe is that the one criticism we can have? It's always, it's, it's like dumb stuff too. Like Jalen, like the Kyler Gordon penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty on Kyler Gordon should have been on the other team. Like stuff like that. Like, all right, we're, we're loving a 10 point defensive performance. We know, we know defensive football having watched this team our whole lives. And hopefully you're able to enjoy it even in a, an otherwise disappointing Chicago Bears season. We try and make the most out of an ugly 12 to 10 Bears Vikings games. It's fun to go kind of go back through it with you on the podcast today. I hope you learned a little something. If you did, make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll still be here for you five days a week, despite the bye week coming up. Going to have at least a couple of guests coming on the podcast either later this week or early next week. And before you know it, we'll be turning our attention to a rematch with the Detroit Lions in two weekends from now. So a lot to still get to, a lot to reflect on, and look, we're going to look bigger picture at Matt Eberflus and how safe his job may or may not be right now. If Is Luke Getzey going to be the scapegoat that keeps Matt Eberflus's job, but you fire the OC? I'm going to have that conversation likely on tomorrow's podcast. So come on back for that. And you have to come on back for your next opportunity to bear down. <laughs>